0: Brett McKay here, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. When you're in prison, you get got a lot of time on your hands. A lot of inmates spend this time exercising. With little or no equipment and sometimes just the space available in their cells, prisoners are able to get incredibly big and strong. Learning how prisoners do these bodyweight workouts can be useful for those who aren't in jail, who want to get fit, and don't have access to exercise equipment. My guest today got the lowdown on the methods prisoners use to get strong by interviewing bodybuilders who also spend time in the slammer. His name is Josh Bryant. He's a powerlifter and powerlifting coach and the co-author of the book Jailhouse Strong. We begin a conversation discussing the mindset with which Josh approaches fitness training, including what he means by being gas station ready. We then discuss why being big and strong is oftentimes a matter of survival for prisoners and some of the famously fit former inmates Josh highlights in his book. We then dig into specific body weight movements prisoners typically use, how they can be incorporated in your own workout routine, and the various ways you can modify and make the exercises harder. We discuss programs prisoners often use and how Josh has enhanced them with his powerlifting background. Josh then lays out a beginner's three day a week bodyweight program, explains the way prisoners incorporate deloading or taking a break from their workouts, and then he talks about his all-time favorite conditioning exercise. After the show's over, check out our show notes at awm.is/gelhousestrong. slash Jailhouse Strong. All right, Josh Bryan, welcome to the show. I'm I'm honored to be here. Thank you, Brett. So you are a powerlifter, powerlifting coach, and the author of several books, including the one we're going to talk about today, "Gel How Strong." But before we do that, let's talk about a bit about your career and background. So tell us a bit about your career as a lifter yourself, and also your career as a as a coach of lifters.
1: Sure. So I started off in more traditional, regular sports, but I found my true love training for those sports in the weight room, and I became the youngest person to bench press 600 pounds I'm at 22 years old. Since then, I've had one of my students actually go on to beat that, which was really cool. In 2005, I won Atlantis Strongest Man in America. And then I did some bodybuilding. I didn't actually compete in bodybuilding. I did a lot of training at bodybuilding at the world-famous Metroflex Gym in Arlington, Texas. So it was really cool. Since then, I, I kind of moved all around the country to train with different people that were kind of like the strongest people in the world. And since then, I've gone to train athletes and some of the strongest, most muscular people in the world. I have all kinds of clients that are very high level. And I've gotten into lately, more kind of myself, more kind of tactical training. So while I'm not in the military or law enforcement myself, that's how I enjoy training. And I've gone on to obviously coach people in person. I have a successful online training business and I do seminars all around the world. Obviously, that's kind of at a halt right now. But recently, been to India, China, and Australia, and I've written some personal training courses for ISSA, write books, and that's where we're at right now. So, you said tactical training. What does tactical training look like? So, tactical training, I think, could be almost like you could almost swap out the word functional training. It's kind of being ready for any sort of situation. It, it, almost what we talk about sort of gas station ready type training is tactical training.
0: Well, you know, so let's talk about gas station. So I follow you on Instagram and for a while now. And one thing you see on your post, you always have this hashtag, gas station ready. What do you mean by gas station ready? Gas
1: station ready started off as my business partner and co author, Domin Shia, teaches jiu jitsu. And he said he made a joke one time about it being like sort of a scenario at a gas station at 3 a.m. So I'm like, okay, you know, ba- I'm like, let's make this into a hashtag because that kind of explains what people want. It's 3 a.m. You pull up to a gas station, you know, some degenerate, wild-eyed, bourbon-bathed dude comes up and wants your car, you know, wants your lady, your wallet, whatever. Are you ready to handle the situation? So, a gas station ready is like a mindset, a training philosophy, essentially to be ready for anything. That's what tactical training is. You may, you know, you have to be, you have to sprint fast enough to handle a situation. You have to be able to handle yourself. You have to have the strength, the endurance, all that different kind of stuff. So, gas station ready is being ready for anything when. It's a mindset. When conflict is inevitable, strike first and protect
0: what's yours. And that doesn't
1: have to be just in a self-defense. Just how you handle life.
0: So it sounds like it, your, your philosophy towards strength isn't just to be strong to be strong, right? To uh, to right. show it on the platform, but it's to you want to be strong also. To, so it transfers over to real life. Absolutely. So I mean, obviously, with you know, if you're going to be the, like a lot of people
1: I train, like the guy I've been working with, just broke the world record for. About the tenth time in the bench press. So someone training at that level, you have to make some of those sacrifices. You know what I mean? Because that you're training, you know, when you're pursuing excellence to that degree, you're gonna have to get rid of some stuff in the process. But for the for most people, and even people like that at that level, I'm gonna like so for powerlifting purposes, I'm gonna have a lot more work capacity stuff and movement capacity and strongman type of training in their off season. So absolutely. Even for the most extreme powerlifter, there I would have more of this type of training than most people that are into powerlifting, for sure.
0: And one thing I've noticed with the, the content you've put out, especially on your Instagram account, is that you're often, you know, going, you're, going, you're throwing back to the past. You're looking at bodybuilders, strongmen from the past and showing what they did. Like, what do you think those guys got right that a lot of people have forgotten today when it comes to training? I think one huge thing is they
1: stuck to the basics. So basics, you know, that doesn't mean elementary, it means fundamental. So I think that's where a lot of people get it wrong. And I think the the work ethic back then, I mean, you had a couple of weeks ago the garage gym review guy, and that was a great piece, sort of that kind of mentality of making the most of what you have in your current situation and the work ethic.
0: All right. So this this I think that leads nicely to our the topic of conversation, which is your book, Jailhouse Strong. So these are absolutely. So what led you down? So this is a book about the, the strength and conditioning routines of people in prison, dudes in prison. What led you down that path to explore how, how prisoners get strong? Sure. So growing up,
1: trained at the YMCA. And at 16 years old, I was actually a manager of a hardcore gym. It was called Santa Barbara Gym Fitness because I moved out to Texas later. So I was in Santa Barbara, California. So there would be all these really big, huge, strong guys you know, one of the main ones, was a guy named fed, he was a bouncer at the local strip club and he had been in prison and all this stuff. And we, and, you know, and he was so strong and trained so hard and he was so big. And we noticed a lot of these guys were really big and really strong. were training really hard, really basic. And even the ones that were more of bodybuilder types did a lot of bodyweight training. So like, you know, someone like of this size, you know, 250 pounds, very lean, wasn't only doing push ups to get that big. However, if he did a chest workout, he finished off with some nasty body weight kind of finishers. So, so we know, you know, obviously just observing how strong, how functional these guys were, even being young, 16 years old, how well they aged. You know, you see some of these bodybuilders would come in there when I'm working at 16 years old talking about getting old. They're 30 years old, got guys in their mid 40s that, could move like pro athletes because they trained this way. In, in prison, they did more movement type of stuff. So philosophically, it also came down to, I think, in pr- prison's a low point for a lot of people, obviously, as it should be. It shouldn't be the highlight of anybody's life. It shouldn't be something to be glorified. So what happens is they all this time on their hands. So a lot of people just kind of wish away their time. And I think that is essentially shortening their life. And the ones that are smart, they use time as a resource. So what they do is in the situation they are, they maximize what they have, you know, more time to recover, more time to train, all that different stuff. So that kind of philosophy, you know, and then nothing to do with jail at all, just how you can train at home. You know, you you don't you can get rid of that commute to the gym. I have a family, so I don't want to waste. I'm not training to set a world record in powerlifting at this point. So I can set an example of physical training at the house. By training at home doing these type of workouts. And then for, for other people, it just cultivates a higher probability of success. It's if something's going on at your house, there's less excuses to miss a workout or whatever else. And then you can even set your training area up. Whether it's like, you know, living room in your apartment or like your garage gym or whatever, you can set it up exactly how you like it, you know, like certain posters, lighting a certain way, all that kind of stuff. The next part would be, you know, what's the next best thing you can do? Like, I had a freshman football coach always talk about what's the next best thing we can do, and that's exactly what we're going to do. We may not have access to all the best equipment, but what's the next best thing we can do? Then philosophically, looking at self-imprisonment, it exists in many different forms. It could be a job, whatever it is. Physical training for people behind bars has served for a way to them sort of like, I guess, free themselves from that sort of imprisonment. And that's what we want to do. That's why we post so much stuff and have books about mindset because that's huge. And in the process, which wasn't the original goal, just to kind of put out some books and stuff. What's been cool is we, Adam and I have been able to establish a community of like-minded people online and stuff and met all these cool people, met people in person and all that stuff. So these workouts that can be done anywhere. They can be done in a, you know, in a jail cell basement, hotel room they're functional they're they're gonna have your body ready for anything and they can all be done with minimal equipment and oftentimes all you need is gonna be your body weight and last but not least they're
0: a lot of fun right and in the book you know you talk about you know one of the reasons like these why a lot of times prisoners get big and strong like you said time is the only thing they got so it's like you know getting that exercise time they look forward to it sure but also like it's for survival. Like, they need to be big and strong to be, I, I guess you could say, gel yard ready because that, they, <laughs> I mean, they can get, if, you're, if, you, if you look weak, you're going to get picked on. Well,
1: sort of funny, you know, talk about gas station ready. You know, someone at this, the seminar you said in Australia was asking about self-defense. I said, look, I mean, 99% of situations can be just diffused by not being at bad places. You know, if you avoid bad places, that's going to take care of most of them. But the, honestly, a lot of situations can be diffused just by a certain look that's huge. You know, cause then you got to think of like prisoners of higher testosterone levels. I'm not a, a sociologist or anything. I don't know what came first, the chicken or the egg. I don't know if it even matters if, if they're that, if they're in prison because they've higher testosterone levels and kind of leads to, I guess, some choices that would get you there. Or if it's a product of the environment, you know, if you're resolving petty grievances with brutal beatdowns and knifings, that's going to be very tough for the average man to survive, but an alpha male is going to thrive in that environment. So that, that would be part of it. You know exercise consistency the body thrives on routine so with all this time on your hand if you're disciplined you can be very consistent in your routine if you have a routine you're going to active progression so you hear stories about people doing you know 1500 push-ups a day and all this kind of stuff because most of the state penitentiaries banned weights in 1992 some of the federal ones still have them but they won't buy new ones so they in there they're going to take care of the stuff but most people don't have access to it so you hear stuff about you know, people doing 1500 pushups a day, they didn't come in, there doing that. So there's an active model of progressive overload there. Interval training, they're confined to these small spaces. So that's going to, you know, the traditional modes of, of long, slow cardio are not going to apply because even like a small exercise yard, you know, it's not that much room. If you're in a jail cell, you could do burpees till the cow come home. You know, these would sort of serve as like a think tanker, like Napoleon Hill talked about, like a mastermind group You know, people with similar goals that you can trade ideas with to help you in your pursuit, and I think that's huge to bounce people off. There's there's no there's no agenda here except to get better.
0: So, in the the book, you and your co-author actually interview some famously fit prisoners. What what are some of the who are some of these guys that you interviewed for this book?
1: Okay, so give you three good ones: Dorian Yates. All right, So he was, you know, the Mr. Olympia and um, a lot of, so why that, that would apply? You're thinking, okay, bodybuilder, great. You know, what what that applies to is Doreen Yates actually started off in jail and kind of turned him around. But his base was built with bodyweight training, heavy barbell lifts and like rope climbs and things like that. Corey Matthews, another IFBB pro bodybuilder, he actually went to prison at 14 years old in Nevada, was in a you know in a grown-up prison, and he went on turned his life around. Now he's like a pastor and a professional bodybuilder. And Gary Frank was a world record-setting powerlifting holder, but not so much for anything he did. He never went to jail or anything, but he was actually the athletic director at a prison called Angola in Louisiana. So he had a ton of observations and things we share. Then a lot of different people that you know, like I mentioned that guy earlier, fed him. You know, different guards, different a lot of people that aren't famous. But those would be like three famous ones you guys might know. And We we'll also talk to Jeff Thompson. A, a, you guys ever interviewed him? He's a bouncer from over in England. No. He, he's written some actually some best selling books, and you know, so for some of the unarmed combat stuff, because a lot of the interval training is unarmed combat training. So you know, instead of just doing like you know a regular high intensity interval training, it might be like something like a elbow, knee, sprawl, repeat, twenty seconds on Tabata type of thing.
0: So let's talk about some of the the programming that you highlight in this book and the exercises. So you mentioned for a long time, for a while, prisons had prisoners had access to weights, but they started taking that stuff out during the '90s. I guess that's when like that whole super criminal thing was going on. They're afraid that's that,
1: exactly the term. Yep.
0: Right. That, they were, they were afraid that people would go to prison. They'd come out and they'd be even worse. And it's probably because they were lifting weights. Uh, so they took it out. And So a lot of prisoners use body weight exercises. What are some of the main bodyweight exercises you talk about in Jailhouse Strong that normal folks who just don't have access to exercise equipment can do to get a good workout? Okay,
1: so the foundationals ones would be like push-ups, then, then different variations of the push-ups. Those would come the nucleus uh, pull-ups and different variations of the pull-ups, different variations of the squat, then burpee variations. So then we would go into more advanced variations. So like you could, you know, a push-up could become push-ups with your feet up on a bench, or you know, a Hindu push-up, or even in an extreme case, a one-arm push-up, that kind of stuff. So, and then obviously we have for the flip side, because there's a lot of people that talk about every program should begin with some sort of bodyweight type of programming. But you know, in a country where a third of the people or whatever or more are obese, that's not necessarily going to be a practical thing. Or a powerlifter that weighs 400 pounds might be strong. But never done any kind of bodyweight training. You know, you can't just say, "All right, we're going to bust out." You know, ten sets of twenty-five push-ups. You don't have to start off with something like the knee push-ups on the knees, push-up against the wall, and and progress up from there.
0: So you mentioned, okay, those are the main ones, like the push-ups, pull-ups, squats, and then you mentioned there's variations, and I guess all those different variations. That's how you increase intensity for bodyweight exercises. Absolutely.
1: You know, you can
0: there's all sorts of things.
1: That's how you you can do you go unilateral. I mean, you can add different tempos where you accentuate the negative, accelerate the positive. Like, you know, in powerlifting, we talk about compensatory acceleration training where you're putting maximum force, full range of motion into that. you can do the same concept with the bodyweight training. I mean, you can make it like a plyometric body weight, you know, all sorts of different stuff. I mean, just think about it, even if you you're doing a lunge, if you put your hands above your head it's going to be harder than if you put them by your side.
0: Yeah, I I, I know that. My coach has been programming lunges at the end. Awesome. And, and he wants like on the head. He's going putting put my hands on the head. I'm like, this sucks. I don't <laughs> want to do this anymore. So, okay, you mentioned like so different types of push-ups, like the explosive one, like a plyometric. Is that like a, like a clapping push-up type thing?
1: You can do that or you can just go straight up in the air. We get like basically push-up instead of stopping and locking on the top, become airborne, get as high as you can.
0: And a Hindu push-up,
1: what's that? Hindu push-ups like I think some I've heard people call them a bomber push-up before. you know you start with your feet wider, butt up in the air and you kind of come down to you know almost like scrape your chest against the ground, come back up and then you almost get like in a, a bridging sort of position up and then you know come back in a circular motion. It's very like a rhythm type of, of deal to it and those got popularized from a guy named Matt Fury and before that they were like a mainstay in the programming of a famous wrestler named the great gama from india have you heard of him before
0: i have heard of the great the great gama yeah yep
1: and that's kind of the guy that used them he, you know he's something like you know five nine two hundred fifty five pounds with a 58 inch chest you know you know 80 years ago or something and apparently bruce lee used a lot of the teachings of the great gama which i did not know till more recently
0: so yeah, I've done the dive bomber, the Hindu pushup and it it like it works different parts of your upper body and different in mm-hmm. the different parts of the the movement. I mean, it's very I feel like it's very shoulder and then there's like a it, when you get to a certain part it turns into your triceps and then into your chest. It's really it's a really dynamic movement and I, I like I like it. it's a fun pushup to do.
1: Do, do you feel I'm in your upper I see I feel feels a lot in my upper chest too. Much more than a regular, you know, almost like like, you know, incline versus bench pressing is where you can kind of feel those a little bit. And then you also film a lot in your upper back too compared to a regular push up.
0: No, for sure. And then, I mean, another way you talk about how prisoners add intensity is, you know, one with push ups at least is you put your feet up on the bed or a stool or whatever. And now you got like a, a decline push up almost. Absolutely. And, you, know, you know, another one people don't
1: think of a lot of times is um, obviously, we already mentioned going unilateral, but just increasing range of motion. So if you're, you know, doing push ups, you go between, you know, if you have two boxes, you can stretch down a little bit deeper. You can pause the reps at the bottom of the movement. So all this different stuff you can do. And I know we're here talking about bodyweight training, but you can also, you know, there's different things you can add to yourself, too. I mean, you might have some bands. There was one study that, you know, in the NSCA Journal talking about people used band-resistant push-ups versus bench pressing. And their strength in bench pressing increased nearly as much as it did when doing band resistant push ups. So even for like powerlifting and stuff, I'll use that kind of stuff with my clients just to get them to do different type of movements. Absolutely.
0: What I like about the body move I, I do powerlifting. What I like about body weight exercises like a push up sure. or a squat is that it's like it's like I feel like it's good for my joints. It just feels good with for my tendons and my joint strength because like, you get a range of motion that you typically don't get with a barbell. Absolutely. And it just sort of hits the muscle a little bit different
1: too. I mean, I, you know, I do like a body weight squat. I feel, you know, more of my quads, if I was going to take it to like a point of failure than I would, you know, with a barbell squat, I'm going to feel that a little more in the posterior chain. So absolutely.
0: We're going to take a quick break for a words from our sponsors. And now back to the show. We talked about ways you can increase intensity on a push-up, I and mean, this is by like this is basically the equivalent of adding weight to a body-weight exercise, making it harder. But let's talk about pull-ups. So there's a typical pull-up which is hard for a lot of people. Some people can't even do a pull-up or a chin-up. Right now is a great time to to get up on that. But let's say you're, you're you've mastered the pull-up. What are some things that prisoners have done to increase the intensity on pull-ups?
1: Well, the most obvious way is going to be to add some sort of resistance, be it, you know, another person, some sort of object weights, whatever. And then another one is, is actually changing the mood. You know, obviously you can go unilateral one arm type of thing. Even if you grab your wrist or something like Rocky does, that's going to be harder than just doing a regular chin up. And then another one like is um, a sternum pull up. So that's sort of almost like a row, a row. And it's like, you're doing a pull up, but you you come up and like almost touch your sternum to the bar. That's what you shoot for. So you're kind of leaning back as you do that. So you get a lot of the feeling of it's almost like a, a hybrid between a horizontal and a vertical pull, and you feel it in a point in a midpoint of your back, like you do a row. It's like nothing you've ever felt before.
0: And another movement pull up variation I've seen that it just works something differently. It's I think it's called like a commando pull up. It's like where you hold. The bar like you're you're like crossing a rope commando style absolutely and then you just pull yourself up and alternate shoulders and that just it hits different
1: that's an, that's another yeah absolutely commando pull-ups are great yeah
0: and then on the squat i mean i guess the way you can add intensity to that i mean the, the ultimate way to add intensity to that would be like a pistol squat like a one-legged squat and i think that's true
1: with any any kind of body body weight stuff is when you go unilateral that's gonna obviously make it a lot tougher so yeah, absolutely. And then I think another one is pause squats. Mm. Not that a lot of people are going to, you know, a lot of the stronger people are still going to deal with that no problem, but that's, you know, another one. I think jump squats are a big one. So that's another big one. If you like a, a prison jump squat, where you put your hands behind your head, land in a squat position and do those in like a rapid fire succession. That's a great way to increase intensity there.
0: No. Yeah. One thing that I've done this, I don't, I remember this I, when I was in like elementary school, I read some book on like how to be a ninja or like a Shaolin monk or whatever. Yeah. And uh, yeah. one of the exercises they talked about was uh, like, they'd have, you just, they'd have the monks like in a half squat position, like a ready fight position and you just hold it for as long as you can. And I remember like in my bedroom when I was 11 years old doing that uh, until I basically just all the lactic acid built up. I thought I was getting I mean, I guess it did. I mean, it must have done something for me. That's one way you can add intensity. You just hold a position for a long time. Sure. And have you ever done things like sissy squats and stuff like that or Hindu squats? I have not. What are those? Okay,
1: so Hindu squats is um, similar to like a Hindu, you know, it's, I guess, similar, but you want to get a rhythm going, like a Hindu pushup. You kind of like swing your arms over your head and you and and then you let your air out as you go down. Sort of like, the. you know, obviously when you're squatting heavy weight, you don't want to let your air out or it's going to crush you but here you let it out to kind of let yourself get really deep in a circular motion. And you come up on your toes as you go down, again, that's something you wouldn't do with weight on your back. And that was another big one. If you go on, you guys go on the line, just Google a picture of the great Gama. There's some cool pictures of him doing Hindu squats. You can see that bottom position I'm talking about. So, you know, If you've knee problems or something, this could be an issue, but for like high reps in in um, circuits and stuff, I mean, it's gonna really you know burn your quads like crazy. And then a sissy squat's kind of similar to that type of movement, but you're not doing – you You hold on to something, and you really you get up on your toes and really let your knees travel forward and get a huge stretch in your quad. It wouldn't be something you'd load up with a bunch of weight.
0: And, I, and I just, one that came to my mind that you could possibly do too in a confined space like prison is like a Bulgarian split squat, right? Just put your foot up on a bed and then just squat, right? And that would sort of lend to the point we made earlier about
1: going unilateral. That would be like an easier way – of going unilateral rather than you know having to do a full out pistol squat.
0: And the way you can make these harder too, even if like for a squat is put something in your body, like hold something. Could be sure. a rock, a chair, a kid, I don't know, and and do the do the movement and you can add some weight that way. I used to that's how I used to put my son to sleep.
1: when he was about a year and a half, I'd just start doing squats with him and he'd be asleep in about thirty seconds, just holding <laughs> like a zercher squat. How
0: old's your son now? I have a seven year old and a five year old. Yeah. Have you tried that on him lately? <laughs> just pick them up and grab no last de- night i wanted
1: to go to sleep and because you know our our sleeping schedule is a little off right now because yeah. i just did the seminar in australia right before you know all hell broke loose with what's going on right now but so we got back like early and then so what i did is i took my family over with me we did like a vacation for a week then i did a seminar for three days and our t- you know then we got back school's canceled so no one's you know Sleeping has been, you know, because the Australian ship, I guess is an excuse a few weeks ago now, but we, I guess we hadn't really got on a normal routine as much as we would just because of everything that's been going on last night. They're in there just telling me to make them do different kinds of burpees. <laughs>
0: so <laughs> Tire them out. Yeah. All right, so we, we've talked about the, the basic movements you can do, push-ups, pull-ups, squats, and then the variations you can do to make those a bit harder. But let's talk about programming body weight exercise, particularly how prisoners have done it. So when you've talked to these guys, what are some typical body weight programming you've seen in prisons? And then what, I mean, and then also let's talk about what your powerlifting experience, what insights you've brought to that on programming body weight exercises. Sure.
1: So I think smart prisoners are avoiding like some of the, you know, common mistakes. So Some of the common mistakes I think are, you know, just people getting, um, you know, so in endurance happy. They just make this endo, like they view body weight training well, I guess, you know, some people just avoid it altogether, but a lot of people view it as just totally for endurance when with the right application, it can be used for strength and explosive power, even for people with, you know, high relative strength, that's your strength to body weight ratio. So keeping that in mind, some of the things I've seen, it's going to vary a lot. I've seen just how in strength training, you see somebody using something where they're squatting a couple times a week. And then you have some Bulgarian type of methodology where squatting, you know, twice a day and they're both getting good results so there is variation there but you know the most successful programs i've seen have come up with a few different things i've seen people are that are basically structuring around their workouts around as desired training effects so they might be focusing on one workout on explosive strength one workout on strength one workout on endurance you know that type of thing so almost like an undulated periodization model where each workout is going to have a purpose Another thing I've seen very successfully used is people using the total repetition method. So that what all that means is, for instance, if somebody sets out like they're gonna you know do a pull-up workout, they say they're gonna do a hundred pull-ups. They, the way they get to a 100 pull-ups is they do as many reps as possible, you know, say rest 30 seconds, for example, and re- repeat that sequence until they reach 100 reps. So that could be you could do this for 10 reps, you could do it for a thousand. It doesn't matter, but that's kind of the methodology right there. The total repetition method. Obviously, if you're like your straight sets, that and that's just, you know, 10 sets of 10, whatever. But then another one we've seen and we brought to the forefront here was a Wars Valley method. And I saw you had written an article and mentioned that in one of your articles too. Yeah. So a lot of people don't know what that is. So, what that is, is let's just say a Wars Valley 10. The object of this workout is to keep the, the intensity steady. So, what you do is like, say you start off with, 10 pull-ups you did t- you know this would be really hard but you do 10 pull-ups you would walk eight feet away walk eight feet back then you do one you do the same walk again then you go nine same walk again you go two you basically go back and forth eight and three, seven four, you know six and five until every number between one and ten is covered you could do that for a 20 you could do that for whatever 15 doesn't matter but that's the idea the deck of pain you could, this is most popular for, for push-ups. You basically flip a card over and a de- you have a deck of cards, you flip a card over, and you do however many pushups or whatever movement you want to do that's on that card. And then you have the what I call the mountain method. It's based off of what Chuck Sipes used to do. He used to have a thing called the 1101. Have you ever heard of that before? I have not. Okay. So what Chuck Sipes would do is he's a famous bodybuilder, kind of like old school before you know heyday early 60s type of guy and what he would do is he would pick up. like he would go really heavy but he'd also do like pump training when he did the pump training what he would do is he'd go one rep two rep three four all the way up to 10 like that then he'd go back down 10 you know nine eight seven six all the way down to one but he'd only take 10 seconds between sets and you can do this for like a more of a muscle endurance or hypertrophy type of training with body weight and the tyson squat workout's another popular one Time under tension training, simply just doing sets for a prescribed amount of time, you know, instead of saying I'm going to do 15 reps, you just do push-ups, pull-ups, whatever, squats with perfect form for 30 seconds. You know, cluster sets where you do, you know, I'm going to do, you focus on doing more sets, less reps, but you do a ton of sets. And then other ones that are, we call limited yard time circuits. So, you go, say you like 20 minutes, you would do push-ups for 30 seconds, rest 30 seconds, do squats for 30 seconds, rest 30 seconds, and do a, ver- a variety of different bodyweight type of training exercises.
0: That last one, that's kind of how my conditioning is at the end of a barbell session is that it's okay. There's three different body weight movements you're going to do 30 seconds on 30 seconds off. So it's almost kind of like a CrossFit wad. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I think it's, I think, yeah, it sounds like you're you're in a good program because I like what I'm hearing from you. So yeah, absolutely. That's
0: a great way to do it. And uh, that cluster set. So I I just learned about this because I was listening to an interview. You're talking about this concept. So that'd be instead of doing you know two sets of ten, you would do ten sets of two.
1: That's how I always. It's funny. I always said at a seminar, ago, There's no working definition of cluster sets. I use that exact example you give because I don't know. There maybe there is. No one's no one's corrected me yet and said, well, actually there is a definition now. It's basically that more sets, less reps.
0: And that'd be good for pull. So if someone who doesn't can't do a lot of pull-ups, that'd be a great way to get more pull-ups into a session. Say so if you only do two, well, instead of trying to like do ten in a set, do ten sets of two.
1: Yeah, it's a way. It's a it's a better way also for the you know for building explosive strength. There, you can produce more force that way, and it's better for the acquisition of skill if you're trying to actually master a movement, grease the groove, if you will. Then the cluster sets are more effective, and that's something. I've definitely picked up because I feel like you asked earlier about, you know, the powerlifting influence. I don't think I did a very good job of answering that. I kind of like skipped over because I started talking about other things, but that would be where this would apply is that cluster sets is huge. I didn't even have a name for it when I first started working with people. I just knew that powerlifting, we're a one-rep sport. We need more first reps to practice technique. But this is going to, you know, this is going to be a better way to master technique and pull-ups or whatever, and, and then the other influence of powerlifting there would be,
0: you know, progressive overload, of course. So, progressive overload, for those who don't know, just means you're making your workout harder. So, how do you implement progressive overload in body weight workouts?
1: I think this is a big mistake people make. So, most people are just going to add reps, which obviously adding reps is a great way, but, you know, and if you're, you know, so if you were heard in bodybuilding, people use the term cheating, like you know, yes. okay. So cheating,
0: maybe maybe explain that for our listeners sure. who are familiar with it. So
1: cheating would be let's 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 env- envision yourself doing a set of curls. Okay, the set of curls becomes too difficult to complete with perfect form. So what you do is you add a little, you you know, add a little hip bump, to get a little swing, and if you're doing it correctly, you would use just enough to get past your sticking point, where which means where you'd normally be stuck at, and go right past there. Okay, that's that's how most people get cheating. The other way to do cheating is like when I'm doing hypertrophy training for people is like what I call variable range of motion. So let's say, for example, somebody's doing, you know, time under tension training, doing an incline dumbbell press for 30 seconds. When they no longer complete full reps, they would go to partial reps. So it's a variable range of motion. And that's what you got to be careful on when you are, which is good for that type of training. But, you know, because you're just going for a period of time. But if you're actually trying to execute reps, the wisdom I used to get in powerlifting was old school guys when I was like 13, 14 years old at the gym would say, if you squat, you know, if you, every inch of depth you cheat, you basically cheating yourself at 40 pounds or it's making it 40 pounds easier. So if we go with that logic in here, if you start doing the body weight exercises and you keep decreasing with a variable range of motion, it's no longer the same lift. That's the problem with if you only look at that. So adding reps is awesome, but you have to make sure you're using the same reps if you're actually progressively overloading you know the movement. So then the other ways are the ones that we just talked about of you know you eventually you would put your feet up on a push up or you know, go unilateral on a squat or whatever the case may be is you would look at those parameters. You'd also look at adding reps. and then I think a huge one is decreasing rest intervals. So if we can get the same amount of work done in less time, we've progressively overloaded your training. It's just with a density factor because you can keep doing more work if you drag these workouts out for, you know, three hours, but that's not what people are after. If we can get the same amount of work done in less time, we've increased density, hence overloaded the training. So there's tons of different ways we can overload it.
0: So you've talked about different programs that you've seen, the Juarez Valley method, the the deck of pain. But let's say there's a person who's just starting out. they want a, a just a basic Body weight program that gets, it's a full, full body sure. program. Like what would that look like for someone starting out with like the exercise and also the reps and sets you'd
1: recommend? Sure. So, okay. I get an example. So here'd be like a three day a week program. Okay. So we, you know, so you go full body three days a week, you would go say five sets of 10 to 20 reps on a, on a push up. five sets of 15 to 20 reps on a squat, a prison squat, then five sets of leg raises, and some planks would be one day. Another day, we'd have burpees. And what we do is start off with basically just like one or two reps, you know, walk away like a Juarez Valley, walk back and repeat that for 10 minutes. We would do some sort of unarmed combat drill. This is using a jailhouse strong stuff. So keep that in mind. If you're not into this stuff, you know, you, do, you could do something else, but some sort of unarmed combat interval drill next, walking lunges, then some inverted rows. And then on Friday, you know, we do some Hindu squats, chin-ups. And if somebody's unable to do chin-ups, we'd work with some variations that are, you know, easier to do. You could, you know, might even do inverted rows, might do, there's all sorts of different ways. You can do band-assisted push-ups, all sorts of different, you know, even if you had a partner that could spot you, all sorts of different things we could do. And then some push-ups and then some jackknife sit-ups. So, that would be a pretty, you know, beginner level Not somebody that's never done anything before, but someone kind of new to
0: bodyweight training. That sounds like it'd only take about thirty to forty-five minutes to do.
1: Yeah, if you could get if if you if you're not training right now, you have some sort of athletic background. I think. 30 minutes, three times a week, you can definitely change your physique, your health and feel a lot better. Absolutely.
0: And how do you know when to start adding variables and start changing things up when, with with your programming, like to add intensity or reps? So if I, okay, so
1: like if I'm working with somebody like one-on-one, I'm going to change it weekly. It's gonna, It could be very, very, very small changes though. Like, you know, but if, if that's not the case, here's following one of these programs, it's going to, you know, in jailhouse, strong on, on this particular program, it'd be every every three weeks. Gotcha.
0: And are there? How do you? Are there? Do like prisoners have you found do they? Do they ever fall like a deloading like scheme? So like they decided, okay, I've done, I've done three months, I've done three weeks of this. Time for a deload, and then I'll work. Do they do things like that, or they just keep going up and adding progressive overload?
1: Well, they definitely do. So what what I what they use is what the same way you know I train a lot now too, is so I call these our natural deloads. So what that means is for them, it's like, you know, a lot of people say like, well, Arnold never deloaded. Well, yeah, he actually did. He's in his um, encyclopedia of bodybuilding. He talked about how he'd walk into the gym, not feel it a certain day and leave. That was his deload. I mean, he didn't actually, he may not have it planned out, but he said he did that. So a lot of people did deload without them knowing it, you know what I mean? Or like they felt off that day, they used lighter weight. It just wasn't planned. So what a lot of these guys do is like, a, you know, that's what they're going to do is they're not feeling it, that they don't feel it, they kill it type of deal. That's what I personally do now. So I'm going to like, you know, if we're taking a vacation every few months or something or doing this or that, this is a perfect time for, you know, when we're in Australia, we go to the beach and i take the kids to the beach in the morning and run some, not even sprints, more like tempo runs, like do some pushups, things like that. And it wasn't very structured. It wasn't very hard, but it was enough to keep me kind of like active recovery. So most of them are doing stuff like that. But in my programs, I definitely work those in. And then if I was working with someone individually, uh, you know, and we got to that point, they could be trusted to make this kind of decision. I'd say, okay, just let me know when you need a natural deload because you're going to take a vacation or whatever. But definitely just for these kind of programs, we do them less often. So it might be instead of like, I would say the average in most programs with like barbells is we say like every four weeks is a safe average. Right. Yeah okay, this would
0: be more like every eight weeks or so. Okay, that makes sense. And I think also just that, I, I like that idea of like, keep in mind how you fill in. Look, I mean, that's where the, some like, like rated perceived effort might come in handy. It's like, I'm going to, if this if things are feeling like a, a an eight or a nine when it should feel like a seven, maybe I just sure. take a break today.
1: And that's what, that's what most of the prisoners, and we talk to them, that's, we say, what do you ever do? They're like, what's that? And you tell them, like, no, if I just
0: didn't feel it that day, I'd stop. Right. <laughs> so we've been talking about strength. And a lot of this stuff, the body weight can be used as conditioning. But in Jailhouse Strong, you talk about the burpee as being the, the go-to conditioning exercise for convicts. Like, what's so great about burpees?
1: Sure. So, um, Lenny, your point right there on the strength, though. And I think this is also important for the heavier people listening that are into barbell training and stuff. If right now, if you're training with mostly your body weight... You probably won't really notice much of a drop off if you're heavier. But anyways, Matt, back to the burpees. So burpees are awesome. So burpees, um, you know that they, you know how they kind of came about and got no. popular? No, tell me. Okay, they were sort they were a conditioning test for World World War II. And that doesn't I mean, I guess it doesn't that doesn't uh mean it's gonna help you if you're listening, but <laughs> just a piece of history right there. I think they're very similar to you know any kind of like sprawling type of deal for unarmed combat scenario for MMA type of stuff, they're very effective for for interval training and they they may, they've and they also force your body to to work together as an integrated unit and there there are um, like anything else there are different ways to increase intensity here you can you know you can do, so do you can do an eight count burp you can do you can do pushups one of the guys was saying even and someone wrote me the other day told me. In one of the prisons in California, they would do it where they do a regular burpee with a push-up, jump up, do a knee, and then you take your fist and you hit yourself in the, you know, if you do a right knee, you hit yourself in the on the, your left side with a hammer fist to your stomach. So, I mean, then you alternate sides. So there's tons of different ways. So, I think it's very good for like real-world scenario. It's very good for interval training, and it forces your body – to work together as an integrated union. I I did a bunch of them last night, just knowing we were going to talk about them today because I hadn't done any in a while, and you know I felt it feels really good.
0: <laughs> no, and there I just I think I've got bad memories of them from football, right? Like you just as soon as the coach said get your feet moving, you like you knew it was gonna, you know it was about to come. Sure, was, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Burpees, <laughs> and so another way, another thing that I've done before, in the, or I've done in the past with burpees to add intensity to it. So it's like burpee, and then when you jump up, you do a pull up, and then burpee pull up. Burpee That's pull hard. Up. Yeah, for sure. That's hard. That's not fun. But if you're, if you're glutton for punishment, that could work. And then another way you'd you mentioned that you can do conditioning is the sort of the the combatives training. sort of like shadow boxing type stuff.
1: Absolutely. And then you can even, do, yeah, you can do, cause you know, you, you know, we've got like, you know, think about you'd throw knees. It's almost like sort of like a leg raise or something. I mean, there's a ton of different ways. It, it basically if you you know, we can also look at the as like a Swiss army knife. It may not be the best at one particular thing, but it's good at a lot of different things.
0: Now speaking of shadow boxing, there's this guy here in Tulsa, this old guy who, who goes down by the Arkansas river on the trail. And there's like the statue of an Eagle on the river. And he's this old gold guy, big white beard. He always has his shirts off. And at like five o'clock in the evening, he's always there shadow boxing and <laughs> like just there. And I'm like that guy, that guy's gas station ready. <laughs> does he he look pretty good doing it no he does i mean he looks like i I wouldn't want to mess with him gotcha no so he i mean that's that's it right there he might have been in the clink and i just don't know it and he's just nice where he picked that stuff up besides this stuff you noticed do prisoners like focus on other like things besides the big movements because it's important to have in prison or they just decided that's what they want to do like like do they do like grip training or things like that
1: well, it's gonna be a case by case basis. So absolutely some of them are getting it by default. One more thing I want to mention here about the burpee is if you guys haven't tried another good one, is burpee box jumps. If you have not tried that, we do a burpee Ooh, and then you immediately hot. jump up onto a box. So not to change subject, but want to get that in real quick. But yeah, definitely um some do. And like, you know, so some of the things guys are doing are really innovative. So they might do have you guys ever seen the videos of people doing curls with like trash bags full of water and stuff like that?
0: I have not seen that, but I'm going to,
1: I'm going to search for it now. Yeah. Yeah. You grip, I mean, you have to grip the trash bag. So, you know, pull-ups, I mean, uh, you know, that's going to give you some grip work. So a lot of them, are they training specifically for grip? No, but when you're having to do like things outside of your body weight that are very functional in nature, because you have odd objects, you are going to build your forms. I mean, there's not a there's not a like, professional strongman in the world with small forms and very few of them actually like are doing any, like what you classify as grip training beyond
0: the events and with nutrition in prison are like, are they eating eggs, like cool hand Luke? Is that what they're? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they <laughs> have. Well, I mean, it's funny. You talk to a lot of
1: guys and, and a lot of them have like, you know, made friends with guards and stuff that like, kind of like would, you know, turn a blind eye to them getting protein powder and stuff like that. So I think there's definitely, you know, that type of deal too. If you're, you know, good socially, you might be able to get in like some extra, you know, protein bars and things like that. All
0: right. Well, Josh, this has been a great conversation. Where can people go to learn more about the books you've written and your work? Sure. So you can go to my website. It's uh,
1: joshstrength.com. You can go to my company Instagram, Jailhouse Strong, or my Facebook is the Josh Strength Method. And if you go to my website, go to joshstrength.com and sign up for my newsletter, you get a free Hill Sprint program and a free eight-week deadlift program. And I should say YouTube too. we got a bunch of these tutorials and things like that
0: on YouTube. Fantastic. Well, Josh Bryant, thanks for your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Brad. I really appreciate it. My guest today is Josh Strength. He's the co-author of the book, Jailhouse Strong. It's available on amazon.com. You can find out more information about his work at the website, jailhousestrong.com. Also, joshstrength.com. And you can also check out our show notes at aom.is slash jailhouse We find links to resources where we delve deeper into this topic. <laughs> Well, that wraps up another edition of the A1 podcast. Check out our website at artifemanliness.com where you can find our podcast archives, as well as thousands of articles we've written over the years. Got an article on there about prisoner workouts. Go check it out. And if you'd like to enjoy ad free episodes of the AOM podcast, you can do so on Stitcher Premium. Head over to StitcherPremium.com, sign up, use code manliness at checkout to get a free month trial. Once you're signed up, download the Stitcher app on Android or iOS, and you can start enjoying ad free episodes of the AOM podcast. And if you haven't done so already, I'd appreciate it if you take one minute to give us a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. It helps out a lot. And if you've done that already, thank you please consider sharing the show with a friend or family member who you think would get something out of it as always thank you for the continued support until next time this is brett mckay reminding all you listen to the win podcast but put what you've heard into action